0: You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is designed by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who understand what it is like to live and minister for God in small, out-of-the-way places. And so if you're tuning in this today and you are a pastor, a lay leader, a Sunday school teacher, any sort of volunteer, we just hope that you walk away encouraged, informed, and excited to keep serving God and doing the very important work that you're doing for the kingdom. I am your host, Joe Epley. And today, we're going to get the chance to interview uh, a gentleman by the name of Pastor Clarence St. John. His ministry career has um, spanned several decades, and, and he's done just so much good work in, in the state of Minnesota with the Assemblies of God. He served as pastor, church planter, superintendent of their network, and, and I'm going to let him tell a lot of his story. But um, we're excited to dive in and hear his thoughts on church planting. And so the first thing I want to say is, Pastor Clarence, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Joe. Hey, uh for you to uh, address this subject and to be able to uh, connect with so many people in different different states around you. I'm sure proud of you for, uh, as a young man, taking on this responsibility and uh, doing these interviews, finding people that can help, help you and help our churches. We really need a lot of encouragement for our local churches, our rural churches. I grew up rural and then my first my only pastorate was uh, in rural minnesota and so it's been a privilege to be a part of uh the rural ministry and uh when i when i left my pastorate i asked the lord how can i how can i minister to the people on the far edges of minnesota and he said you can go so every month i would go to a different section and get involved with the pastors in a prayer meeting and uh so I've I've stayed in touch with the rural
0: even though I haven't lived there for a while. Nice. And uh why don't you tell us in a little uh greater detail, you know, so obviously you mentioned that you grew up rural, pastored rural, um and then of course did some other things since then. So um maybe just describe your background in ministry and 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 you know flesh that out a little bit your connection to the rural church. So yeah, I mean maybe even tell us, you know, what town did you pastor in and and you know, where, what have you done since then, and, and, and how is that all tied together to the rural church?
1: Okay, well, one of the things that I'm excited about is the rural church is still alive. I grew up in the church that I went to when I graduated from high school, just celebrated their 90th anniversary, and I got wow. to be there for their Saturday night banquet. So that was fun. Um, wow. When I left, when I was at North Central University, the Lord called me to church planting. When I was 20 years old, when I was 21, the Lord definitely called me to Hibbing. I took a list of the um, churches that were 2,000 and larger, I mean the cities that were 2,000 and larger, and uh, put them in the order of their most population. And uh, I started at the top to pray and ask the Lord where he wanted me to go. And the first city on the list was Hibbing, Minnesota, I started praying there, and the Lord called me to Hibbing, and so I, I tried to get there, but because rural ministry is so hard, eight out of ten churches in our section were on home missions, and uh, the church had closed three times, and so the district decided that wasn't a good place to go, so um, I were I was a youth pastor for two and a half years while I was trying to get to Hibbing, and finally, the district uh Gave me permission to go right after I got married. again, I went to giving town of uh, twenty thousand, about eighteen 000 to twenty thousand. It started with uh, four adults, and uh, started out. With, it was there were some hard days, but uh, in the, in our eighth year, we were running about hundred and ten, and we planted a church in in Chisholm. And I like to say this: uh, we had uh, we had a church with two locations before it was legal. <laughs> Chisholm was eight miles away. We pastored uh, both places for a while until I could find a pastor, and so uh, it was. A, it was a fun journey. I loved. Uh, I loved pastoring, but I also knew. I, I drove out. I drove through Chisholm one day, and the Lord said, "You're not meeting people in Chisholm. You don't know the mayor. You don't know the police chief. You don't know the undertakers. You don't know anybody." you're just driving a bus there, you need to start a church. So that's how we started Hibbing and Chisholm.
0: Awesome. And so after you did pastoring, I understand you took a different role within the Assemblies of God network. You served as the superintendent, correct?
1: Yeah, I was in the Hibbing church for 21 years. We went from 11 people, four adults and and seven kids until when we left Hibbing, we had <laughs> We had about 1,800 adherents and about 600 on on a Sunday morning and about 700 different people that we ministered to every week. So one thing that I like about being a pastor in a rural, you can end up pastoring the whole community uh, when you're in the rural because so uh, so many people need you and so many people need the church that's doing something. When I was pastoring there, found out that fun to be a part of, uh, of a community where you make a difference. When we left Hibbing, the mayor gave me the key, and I said, I wish you'd have given me the key when I came, not when I left. Huh. So that's kind of our Hibbing journey. The call was definitely to a place. I believe God calls people to locations sometimes, and I think sometimes our district leadership has opportunities that they want people to invest in, and so... There are a lot of ways of getting to where God wants
0: us. How long did you serve as network superintendent of the assemblies, you know, in in Minnesota?
1: 28 years.
0: I'm excited to dive into your journey because I know that during that time, you know, you had this chance to kind of work with church planting. But the first question I want to ask, I know you mentioned it a little, but maybe tell us, why did you start planting churches? And then as a tag team to that question, how important do you think it is for pastors to specifically engage in church planting? Because a lot of people might say, I'm called to pastor, but I'm not necessarily called to like church planting. And so why did you start doing it? And why do you think others should do it as well?
1: First of all, I recognize that I wasn't reaching the communities around us that needed a church. And uh, when I became superintendent, I asked the presbyters, will this be a church planting district if I become superintendent? Because if it's not going, if you don't want to be a church planting district, then let's vote again. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take the job. Sure. So uh, the Lord put on our heart that we should be church planters. When I was up in Hibbing, and uh, was the uh, presbyter up there. A presbyter is the one that's kind of a head of a region in our district. And while I was presbyter, when when we went to Hibbing, there were nine churches in the section. And uh, as I was presbyter, we started Hibbing and Chisholm. And we started 11 other churches in our section because the church planting fever caught a hold with all of our other pastors. And so... We went from eight churches to 20. It was exciting to uh, challenge the other people. One of the things is is once success happens and you celebrate your victories, other people want to get on board. So it was really fun for me to see, to see 11 more churches planted by our other pastors in the section when I was a the leader there. One thing that happens when you plant a church, it brings a lot of life and excitement into the church that's planting. It's like having a baby. When a church has a, a mo- when they mother another church, there's a lot of enthusiasm that comes because you've just birthed something new. I remember when Mickey and I had our first baby, we were just ecstatic about, you know, our family growing. And when when we planted churches um, There was so much excitement in our church that another church was being birthed out of our church and uh, it became like a fever in our section. And so uh, it was was a wonderful opportunity. One of the things that I like to do is celebrate our victories. And so every time we planted a church, we, we celebrated victories. Well, While I was superintendent for 28 years, Minnesota started 175 new churches. You know, wow. in minnesota and um we have we have church planters that um uh, some one church planter is planting he's planting a church every year and, wow uh, so he he came from a church plant he came from a church that was planting churches and now now he's actually our state church planting director even though he's still pastors and he's doing a wonderful job right now in minnesota our dream is to have uh, 13 new churches every year the next 10 years it kind of gets momentum and and it's it's catchy I, I, when our church um, when we had a baby pretty soon there was you know there were 17 kids in the nursery and everybody else was having a baby too it gets kind yeah sad. so that that's the way it is in church planting i think if you celebrate it enough and so that was my uh that was my dream to have a church planting district
0: I really love, you know, what you said about celebrating, because I think sometimes we look around and we say, well, our church needs more life or more momentum or more change. And yet here you are saying one of the ways to get that is is to bring life to another community and to see that infused back into your own congregation. I think that's such an exciting thing. So one of the things that I thought was just really cool when you and I were talking is it seems like, because I'm a big fan of, of structural change, right? Like we can get up from the pulpit. And we can inspire and we can do vision casting. But until we take practical steps to do a goal, you know, it kind of feels intangible, you know? And so it seems like in your time as network superintendent, you built church planting into your network structure, you know, whether it was financially or other ways. And so can you paint a picture of all the ways that you tried to tangibly encourage church planting from your role as network superintendent? Like what kind of steps did you guys take?
1: Well, our, our first, our first real launch was. Uh, we said, let's plant ten churches in this next year, and so I, I took a tour of our district and went to every section. I raised one hundred eighty thousand to plant ten churches, and so then, then I tried it the second year, and I raised thirty-eight thousand. So, huh. well, like the first year, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't always keep going, so you have to create new avenues of how to do it. And and one of the things that we've adapted in Minnesota is um, every church plant a church or every church partner in planting. Not every church can plant, but every church can partner in planting. And, uh, And what happens is people start once you plant a church, a lot of times we have we have now churches that are they have kids, they have, they have a church plant, and they have a grandma, a grandchild, and they have a great-grandchild. So oh, we wow. have three generations. It's exciting to see what's happening. Our church in Sartell was planted by a church in Cold Spring. Cold Spring is a town of 3,000. The pastor there started a church in 19, uh, uh, 1994. He planted eight churches out of there, and it's a it's a town wow. of three thousand. He's planted eight churches out of there, and several of those churches are planting churches. So once once someone sees it happen, it becomes a part of their DNA. Now the churches that were planted are planting, and those churches are planting. So, and so I think the key that I was excited about when I was superintendent is we kept it in front of the people all the time. We are a church planning district. We want to plant some a church in your section. So when I became superintendent, I, I took our church planning director, and every month we went to a different section. And so we we had 12 sections. So we'd be to your section every year. We would ask the question, where do you need a church, and what church needs our help? And so if churches were in trouble, we wanted to be there to help them. And we wanted each section to to plant churches and so on. pretty soon every church every section was planting
0: churches nice very nice and i really love uh you know because i again i always like to summarize and think it through but like i love that you guys put money aside you know I, from what i understand did you tell me that even the the minnesota district at one point took a percentage of its like general fund or whatever you want to call that and like as a network put that aside for church planning was that something you said
1: yeah, I was on the church planting committee in Minnesota before I was superintendent. For the last 40 years, 7% of the general fund that comes into Minnesota goes to church planting. That that percentage, as your district grows and as your ministers grow, you know, there were only 700 ministers in Minnesota when I came. Now, there are 1,400. Wow. And those people help with the financial picture. And now seven percent of our income is a huge number for us to help plant churches in fact right now we have money in the bank we haven't used it all up yet church planting and we're, we're uh we're aggressive one of the things that we do do is there's a national committee it's called it's it's a church planting network. They really help us. And and our our church planning director takes about 40 to 50 church planners. If you've been in church planning for the last three years, you get to go with it takes 30 or 40. Last time was 60 of Minnesota people to this network of dreaming and planning. How can we do this better? And so um then we've we learned from every every district in the United States at those meetings. So it kind of becomes a, once momentum starts, there's nothing like the big mole. Once momentum starts, you know, and it keeps going. It helps you keep going.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I also think of what like a local church could do, because all the steps you just mentioned as a network, if there's a local pastor tuning into this podcast, you could also take a percentage of a of a church's general fund and you could put it in front of that level of people and you could, you know, even designate a layperson to kind of help lead a charge on church planting or a pastor. You know, you can create positions. I just love steps of intentionality. And I think what you guys have done as a network, if there's an individual pastor listening, they could also replicate that in some way, even in their local church, you know, whether it was to to reach the next community over or to put money aside or or you know be present in those towns and try and step that up. Man, that's exciting stuff. I want to ask you uh, the next question. And so, um, you know, I had asked you this question because it always intrigues me, but but if you had to label the single most important quality of a church planter, you know, because pastors are asking, am I that kind of person? Can I do that? What What is that most important quality in your opinion?
1: Endurance. <laughs> nice. If you're, if you're connected with a church plant, you have to be determined. I'm going there and nothing's going to discourage me, nothing's going to stop me. Because uh, you get discouraged every day when you're the only person there. And so you have to say, okay, let's yeah. see this through. And so the idea of being endured till the end, that's the thing that helped, helped Vicky and I. Uh, we knew we were called and that uh, we're gonna be there through thick and thin and uh, difficult times will come. About our 15th year in Hibbing, the minds closed and we lost One hundred people a year for five years moving out, and our church grew even while we were losing a hundred a year. And and so, uh, but we're determined to stay. When when they said the mines were closing, the Lord asked me what I was going to do, and I said, "Well, I said I'm going to be here." And our whole staff said, "No matter what happens, we're going to be here." And so we had we had four staff members at the time. They all stayed through thick and thin. And God began to give us more than we were losing, and so, I think wow. the endurance. Uh, I'm going to be here. I'm going to stay with it. But the thing that really helps is to connect with other church planters and to connect with other people that are in similar situations as you're in. And a church planter can't, you know, like now you've been on a staff. If you go plant a church, you'd be all by yourself. And there's something about having people with us that helps. And so. Uh, I, would, I would always try to network with people that were doing the same thing I did and um, try to um, try to get encouraged from how they were making it. And so if you're going to be a church planter, by the way, Joe, there are some people listening to us that are going to be church planters. That's exciting for you because uh, we don't know who they are. We, we probably never know that they did this. But if God is talking to you today about planting a church, um, it's not just a dream. It's not just an idea. The Lord wants to put something in your heart, and uh, then you need to connect. As you plant your church, you need to connect with other planters and dream together on how you can make it work. That's exciting.
0: It is, yeah. No, this conversation warms my heart because I often think of the future of the rural church, and and uh, and even though you know we believe in a in a stable God who's got a plan for the future when you're in that context and in a rural church and looking at towns around you, you can feel like it's precarious. You know, you can feel like it's going to be hard and challenging. And I, I love that encouragement you just gave. I want to ask you the next question. So, and I think I, I liked your answer on this one because it, it felt fun and practical, but, but um, we'll see what you say uh, this time around, but what is the best way for a pastor to spot or develop church planters in a rural setting? Right. Cause again, and I'm sure church planting networks find this issue where do you get these people? These people who are willing to go and plant a church. And so, what's the best way for a pastor to spot that? You know, well, when
1: I was superintendent, I talked about it all the time. When you're a church planter, the church that I was telling you about that started in 1994 and all the churches, he's always talking about where should we go next. He's always taking people with him to communities that don't have a church to try to find out how he could uh, take someone, take someone out of his congregation and and planted. One thing that I found out when we planted in Hibby, in Chisholm six miles um, we were running 100. We were only running 110 when we started the Chisholm Church. Pretty soon the Chisholm Church was about 30 and ours was about 120. We gave away people, but we grew by more than we gave away. Because God mm-hmm. actually um, is a God of sowing and reaping. God's not going to be uh, behind what we do if we're not trying to be a giving and have a missionary heart and not only for home missions but for foreign missions and uh, God's never going to owe us anything if we give away 10 families guess what? He's going to make sure he fills that in with good people and I had a friend that started a church every 18 months. He said, "Um, and this might help somebody, he said uh, there's always some people that don't like me so I want to start a church with them so they can be happy in the next place and so Started a,
0: he started a new church. It's going to help somebody, you're right. That was good. All right, well, the last question kind of goes more back towards that that practical side of things, and you can answer it you know, however you want, but especially planting a church in a rural context, right? Like if I were to take the town of Baker, which is 1,200, and look at the town next to me, which is 600, you could still make the case that we could plant a church over there, but how do you do it? What are the most effective methods to kind of plant a church you know, in a rural setting, you
1: know, can you talk to me about that? Well, there was a church in, there was a church, or, or Hibbing planted a church in Goodland after I left. And the, the guy that planted the church there well, had, had to work for a while. But Goodland was a town of, uh, 41. The last time I talked to him, wow. the church was only running 80. still twice as many <laughs> church as there was in the city. And then he went and planted, uh, 12 miles away in Warba, town of 1,200, and he took one of his guys, sent him over there. The pastor pastored both places for a while, and then he weaned, weaned off the uh, leaders, and so there's a church, Hibbing planted 18 miles away, Hibbing's 18,000, planted in a church of, in a town of 80. I mean, forty, and then the church became bigger than the town because people from all over were coming. And then they planted a church down the road. It's like a philosophy of ministry that we have to adopt. I am going to be a church planter in you know? So when I went to the district office, says you got I'm not. Uh, you call me the church planting. Now I'm a district superintendent. And he said, well, Why don't you plant churches all over Minnesota? And so. Um, we started a church planting program. During that time, we, as as I was excited about it, every every church planter was excited about what they were doing, and then many of those planted out of their church, and so it becomes kind of a, a planting fever and a partnership. I really think a lot of churches could. Um, let's say you're not going to plant a church; you're just going to start a Bible study ten miles away. And uh, they're never going to be a church, but they're going to be a strong Bible study with a strong leader. And so you can have three or four of those uh, communities with 10 or 12 people that uh, come to your church on Sunday morning and they have a Bible study in their city on Sunday night. And there's a lot of ways to keep planting. Every, everything we plant doesn't have to become a uh, full fledged church. I was planting in Chisholm, six miles away. Then we started, we tried to plant a church in Nashwalk, which was 13 miles away, and it didn't work. And so we closed down. You don't have to, everything doesn't have to be success forever. But some people got saved in Nashwalk, and then there wasn't enough support there, and I couldn't find a pastor there. So some things you start, what you start doesn't always work. It's like when you plant seeds in the, in the farming community, not all of them come up, but uh, I, I wasn't discouraged because I did my best
0: over in Nashua, too. Nice. Well, I love that. Uh, you know, I, I really think some of those practical things, I, I love it. I think it takes the pressure off, too, And you say, hey, we can, we can plant the church without having to say we're planting the church. You know, doing a Bible study in a neighboring town, that's something any church could yeah. do. You know, sending somebody out, doing these small things. And if they turn into something, great. But if not, it's kind of like you said, somebody got saved, lives were changed. You know, we're making efforts, making headway, and and I think it's you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but but just from what you said, it seems like the Lord's going to catch the fire, and we just we just got to be obedient regardless. That's right. You well, know,
1: but um, Jesus said in Luke, uh, as He was ministering to the people, He said, "I have to go to other cities also." And when Jesus was here on Earth, he, that was one of His sentences: "I need to go to other cities also." From chapter from Luke. I believe that was in his heart, all went from city to city, planting churches. The New Testament churches said they turned the world upside down. That's what God wants us to do. So, um, Joe, I'm excited about what you're doing. Now I heard that you're going to be the state youth director, and I don't know if you can keep this uh, excitement going for this uh, extension of your youth ministry, but uh, I think what you're doing right now, you can keep alive and uh, help pastors all over the region.
0: Hey, I do want to say one more time, uh, Pastor Clarence, I just do want to extend a thank you for being on today.
1: Well, thanks for the privilege of, you know, I, I don't get to do this very often, but thank you for the privilege of let, letting me network with a whole region of people. If you're a pastor in a small town, your church isn't too small to plant at least a Bible study next door. Let God put it in your heart. What God puts in your heart, do it with all your
0: heart. Awesome. Well, thank you for that encouragement. Yeah, and uh, and to finish up here, we just want to say one more time, thank you for tuning into Rural Advancement. Again, this podcast exists so that uh, you can not just hear people speak to your context, but hear people who understand it, who have been there and lived that journey. So we hope you again you feel encouraged, inspired, and informed. And of course, you can find uh, this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcast. but also true to the rural form, a lot of ways this podcast is going to spread is just by one leader sharing with another leader, something that encourages them. And so we hope you do so. For this week, I have been your host, Joe Wepley. He has been Pastor Clarence St. John, and we will see you next week.